Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, May 21st, 2020, and today we're reading from the Big Book. We're in Chapter 11, A Vision for You, and we're on page 157, the sixth paragraph, Yes, That's Me. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Lisa L., for the 12 traditions, Darlene H., And reading the text are Katie G, Sandy W, and Barbara E as our backup. The reference numbers for Wednesday, May 20th, 2020 are from the 7 a.m., 14,657, that's 14657, and for the 10 a.m. are 14,660, that's 14660. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's, our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lisa L. to read the 12 steps of OA. Lisa, star one. Good morning, Lisa Lisa L. from Brooklyn, New York. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Lisa. I will now ask Darlene H. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Darlene H. from Columbus, Georgia. Here are the 12 traditions. Step one, our common welfare, I'm sorry, tradition one, 
Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be, brought, never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the opportunity to do service. Thank you, Darlene. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book. We're on page 157, the sixth paragraph, Yes, That's Me. And I will ask Katie G. to begin reading. Good morning, Katie F. This is Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic in Boston. Yes, that's me, this said the sick man, the very image. You fellows know your stuff, all right? but I don't see what good it'll do. You fellows are somebody. I was once, but I'm a nobody now. From what you tell me, I know more than ever I can't stop. At this boat, the visitors burst into a laugh, said the future fellow of Alcoholics Anonymous, damn little laugh about that I can see. What a wonderful paragraph, you know. What's the incredible thing that I message that I have to carry today is I have moved from the sick man in the bed saying, yeah, you're totally right. Like when this woman in whom the problem had been solved said to me, you know, I know what it's like to live day to day, counting the calories minute to minute with exercise bulimia, feeling like you can't, 
you can't get through your day unless you exercise a certain amount. And even that, it's not enough. With the obsession of the mind, whether it be about food and exercise or it be about, you know, some other aspect of selfishness that always leads me back to the food, right? But her laughing, her, her beauty, her levity that she brought to me, I have to be honest, it, I felt the same way, damn little laugh about, man. Like, I don't know why you're so happy, but uh, it felt like salt on a wound, you know. And, um, and, the, and the amazing thing today is I understand, for me, the laughter, and there will probably be 20,000 people telling me I'm wrong on this, but, you know, the laughter comes when you say you know your stuff all right um, from what you tell me. I know more than ever I can't stop. That is step one. Good job. That, that darkness. You know, you know, step one is not supposed to feel good. When I truly, finally came face to face with step one, no power, no choice, no control, that is profoundly despairing and difficult and, and humiliating and, and humbling and beautiful place to be. Because I can't stop. I know more than ever. So help me. Tell me what to do. You know, and I love that he says, you fellows are somebody. Like being a somebody is going to get you recovery. I have to tell you, there are, there are thousands of degrees on this line. What I mean by that is PhDs, MDs, masters, people who became somebody, and yet we continue to suffer. We continue to suffer with the disease of, of compulsive overeating. I'm recovered today. I do not suffer today from the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. But I can tell you that over four and a half years ago, when I went back with exercise bulimia and food addiction, it was because I became somebody. I became somebody on the Vision for You line. I became somebody in my other home group. I became somebody on Facebook. I became somebody in my marriage, right? Like I, I, I was this personality. You know, and one of my favorite teachers says, death of self for successful living. This program is not a self-help book. It is not about building. It is not about caring for myself. It is about ego reduction in depth. It is about teaching me I am powerless. I have no power, no choice, no control around the food. My life is forever going to be unmanageable. I'm not going to, I'm going to get a new manager. And the best part is that my primary purpose today is not to get what I want, it is to stay abstinent and to help others. That is a gift that God has given me, not to be somebody, and I'll wrap up with this, but to be one among many. And thank you, God, I can take my seat in this room today with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Okay, so although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day. So if you shared Tuesday or Wednesday, please um, let others share in order that others might share their experience. So we're on page 157, the sixth paragraph. Yes, that's me. Who would like to share? Lisa B. Melissa C. Lisa B. Melissa C. Barbara E. Barbara E. Who else? Okay, let's go with Lisa B., Melissa C., and Barbara E. Go ahead, Lisa. Good morning. My name is Lisa B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Thank you, Katie, and thank you, everybody. I spell my name L-E-S-A, and I hope that my share is helpful to someone. Um, I really love this paragraph, and I love what what was read and what was shared on it. Um, I vacillated to believing that I'm 
better than you, I'm not as bad as you, to also you don't know how really sick I am and what worked for you may not and probably won't work for me. When I came on this phone line, you know, I was blown away by the the voices of recovery. I, I did not believe, I really did not believe that you could recover from this illness. <clears throat> I thought I would find ways to get some relief and a little bit of reprieve here and there, but when you take the word freedom and apply that with a compulsive overeater, I just didn't think it was possible. I thought it was going to be a cross that I would just have to bear for the rest of my life, and that's just the way it was. And um, I met someone on this line when I was struggling with trying to register on the website. I mean, it drove me crazy, all of the little safety measures, you know, that are in place to protect us. Well, when you're an untreated compulsive overeater, you know, very sick and emotionally unstable and physically ill and mentally not well, that's where I was. And I couldn't even register. And this person was so nice and patient. And she walked me through and how to do it. And she said, you know, we all learn in different ways. And she was so comforting to me. And I asked her how long she had been abstinent. Because you see, I believed abstinence was the goal. I didn't know anything about being recovered at that spiritual awakening. Getting recovered is the goal. But abstinence is the key that gets me in the door. And when she told me, I think at that time, it had been a decade, I just, I almost fell off my chair. How do you stay abstinent for that amount of time and not kill someone and not kill yourself? You know, how do you do it? And she laughed and not at me, but, you know, I, I just thought, what are you laughing at? I don't understand. That's how I felt. And that's how I identify with this reading. And when my sponsor that I met um, through this line was taking me through the work, I secretly thought, I'm so glad there's a program for her because she's such a nice person and she really needs this program to help her. And that was me thinking that I'm not as bad as her. And that's the illness. And I don't know what I don't know, you know, in my thinking. That's why getting through this work and taking the action steps, not wait till I'm willing, because willingness may never come. And like we hear, willingness can be overrated. But taking the action steps, my mind began to change in abstinence as a result of the 12 steps. And I saw that I'm just like you, you know, not worse, not better. But this is a deadly illness and it will never go away. It never, never dies. It's always there, but I can have remission through my spiritual connection. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, followed by Barbara E. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for your service, Katie. I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in New York. And, you know, I think, like, why are they laughing? Why are these two people laughing? Um, You know, like, we're not sadistic. And um, I know it's not that I enjoy seeing people in pain. You know, in fact, it really... It makes my heart hurt when I see the suffering of this disease. And, like, you know, you just walk around and you see the number of people who are walking around dying, right, this slow, torturous death. And people I know, they go from scheme to scheme just like I did. And they grab hold of the next gimmick and they believe, like I did, that if it's extreme and it's expensive, then it's going to be effective. And... Um, and I have a lot of those people in my life, and I don't know why, but they they consistently share what they're doing with me, and those are the people I actually feel sorry for, and I don't burst out laughing when they're telling me about their scheme and their new plan. 
Um, I don't smile because they're not done, right? They're not out of ideas, and I can't do anything to help other than actually have to encourage them, right? When people come and tell me the crazy thing they're going to do, I have to say, oh, that sounds really good. Try it, you know, Um, because that's what I'm told to do. But that's not what's happening in this paragraph. It's I'm nobody and I can't stop. And I love that that didn't come out of Bill and Bob's mouth. That came out of the man in the bed's mouth. You know, that's the self-diagnosis. And, you know, I think they started to laugh because they saw him take step one. And that's, like, that's the hugest step, I think. And that's the one that has to be done 100%. And nothing else can be done until it's done completely. And, you know, like, yeah, those two visitors, they knew their stuff and they knew their information and they gave him the information about themselves, right? They talked about themselves and allowed Bill to draw his own conclusion. And, you know, it tells me that they did their part, right? And they laughed because once a person knows they can't stop, you know, my experience is they're more willing to follow with the directions, you know, until you have that complete, like, admission, like, I'm nobody, and I'm screwed, and I was there, right? When I was done trying all the schemes and the gimmicks, and those words came out of my mouth, like, I couldn't make eye contact, and I was, and I was just beaten down, that's when I was actually willing to follow through and, and listen to the directions, and um, thanks, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, perfect timing. And Barbara E., it's your turn, and then we'll open it up for more shares. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for hearing my name. Well, I love the line. Yes, that's me, said the sick man, the very image. You fellows know your stuff all right. And then jumping down, damn little to laugh about that I can see. Well, I understand why they were laughing. He was just in the right place. He was desperate, and he might be ready to hear their message. But for me, if if people had laughed, I would have been very offended, probably walked out of the room and never come back. I would have preferred them to say, you know, you sound just like I did when I came in, but I've got the solution. And when I came in, it was about 23 years ago, I came in desperate to hear the solution. I thought I came in for a diet. I didn't know there was anything spiritual about the program. I didn't know I would need to have to find a God of my own understanding. All I wanted to do was stop gaining and losing and gaining and losing weight over and over again. I wanted to stop eating food that had fallen on the floor, eating food out of the garbage, hiding food in the in the dirty laundry bin. I wanted to stop binging until I was sick and then vomiting because I couldn't hold it in anymore, not because I wanted to vomit. And what did I do after I got through vomiting? I went back down and ate more. I used to say I only eat one meal a day. Sure, 
It was 24 hours a day. In the middle of the night, early in the morning, I would plan what I was going to eat during the day. And sometimes I did go out just to get drunk, so to speak, buying all kinds of spicy things, pizza, ice cream, cookies to spread on the bed because I knew my husband was going to be away. I was not present for my children. I was not a nice person to be around. I didn't even think of the fact that I was basically in fear all the time, afraid of what people think of me or might think of me, afraid I won't get the respect or the approval of others, afraid to tell you what I really think or feel. Or another way to look at fear is when I'm back in self-reliance. But I didn't know all that then. I came in for a diet. That was it. And I heard hope. And I know I've heard on the meetings, hope can stand for hang on pain ends. Or in our case, hang on pandemic ends. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. There's my cricket timer. Okay, thank you, Barbara E. Okay, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that in order that others may share their experience. So if you share Tuesday or Wednesday, please hold back. And who would like to share? Barbara D. Nessa R. Barbara D. Russ M. Jason K. I got you, Russ. And Nessa R. Jason K. Joe A. Joe A. Amy G. Amy G. I can take one or two more. Okay, that's a good group. Barbara D, Russ M, Nessa R, Jason K, Joe A, and Amy G. Go ahead, please, Barbara D. Star one, Barbara. Barbara, we can't hear you. Okay, Barbara D must be having some trouble. Russ, why don't you go ahead and then we'll circle back to Barbara. Can you hear me now? Now I can hear you. Okay, okay. Barbara. Hi, Thank I'll try to go ahead. Good morning. Thank you for your service. I'm Barbara D., a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Um, wow, this paragraph really uh, said it all for me. You know, after being in and out of program for 27 years, uh, and, I, and I truly didn't know that you could actually recover from this disease. Uh, when I walked back into my original face-to-face -face meeting back in January, I did feel like nobody. I was, I was hopeless. I was desperate. And I truly believed I couldn't or wouldn't stop. And I, I listened intently to everyone speak, but there was a woman at this meeting who said that she was a recovered compulsive overeater, and I heard the ED at the end, and I was like, whoa, I didn't know you can actually recover from this. And after the meeting, I went right up to her and asked her to be my sponsor. And, you know, when I heard her tell me everything I'd have to do, you know, I realized that I, I knew very little, but that this woman really knew her stuff. And as scared as I was, I just prayed about it and woke up with the willingness and put one foot in front of the other and started my recovery. 
And one of the greatest gifts that she gave me was sharing a vision for you with me. Um, I didn't have this years ago in program. Many of us didn't have this. And I really have worked my program authentically through the steps, and I don't feel like that hopeless person anymore. I have recovered by the grace of God and with the help of my sponsor and all of you and this meeting, and um, it has made all the difference. So I just want to say how wonderful this whole meeting is. Every day I look forward to it, and I get so much out of all of you, all of your pearls of wisdom. And I'm very grateful, and I just wish all of you a beautiful day. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, Russ M., you're up, followed by Nessa R. Thanks, Katie. Appreciate it. Uh, Russ M., recovered compulsive overeater. So I'm sitting over here cheesing, laughing, hearing these beautiful voices that I heard when I first came in, when I first picked up the phone and got on here. And, and I'm smiling like the two guys are smiling. But when when I used to hear those voices, you know, I I, I have I was fearing for my life. I was fearing for uh, that it was over. And this paragraph hit me in the heart. You know, um, uh, you guys, you know, my fellows, the people in program that have have evaded this disease. You know, you you knew what you were doing. And for the guy in his head that knew everything, I conceded. And, you know, you, uh, I noticed somebody thing here, but you did make me somebody. Y'all helped me. That I was worth it. That I was worth living. And um, when I see this paragraph and we read these things, I hear people shares. And I hear my friends on this line that put their hand on my shoulder and say, yo, dude. You can do this. You're worth it. It compels me to uh, to be a part of someone else. And that's why I can sit back. I want to cry, really. I want to give him a shot over here. But uh, I can smile. And when a newcomer comes, I, I, I can joke with him a little bit. And I can smile because I've been restored, you know. As long as I'm working this program, as long as I'm working with others, and that if by sharing it, I could, I could, I could do what was done for me. So, I love you guys. Y'all, y'all have a beautiful day. Okay, thank you, Russ. Okay, Nessa R, you're up, followed by Jason K. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I came into OA in January of 2003, and I've been recovered by the grace of God through the 12 steps since December 2011. So the math works out to a little bit over 17 years in program and a little bit over eight years um, recovered. So uh, what happened during those nine years? Um, The answer is not very much. Um, because I wasn't really working the program. Part of the reason was um, that I didn't know about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, and therefore um, I didn't know or understand the importance of um, entire abstinence and working the steps according to the big book. But once I met 
my sponsor um, and I was educated. Um, you know, that's when recovery uh, began. And uh, now I need um, a fair amount of people who say, oh, this program won't work for me or just plain this program doesn't work. But now I know having gone through that experience that rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. And it's not that this program doesn't work, it's that we don't work the program, right? Because I wasn't working the program for nine years. You know, I came in here expecting, I don't know, magic. Um, I, I really don't know what I was expecting. Um, and, you know, no, none of us is so unique or so special that this will not work. I mean, you know, the first hundred um, recovered alcoholics were like the bottom of the barrel. The bottom of the barrel, if they can recover, I can recover, anybody can recover. This program has worked for millions of, up to millions of people across all kinds of addictions, socioeconomic, educational um, levels. Like it just, it just works when you work it. The problem is that we don't work it. Or uh, if we do work it, then we stop working it. Like I've seen so many people go get to the cusp and, and not make it because they either put the book away when they finished at nine and they didn't continue in 10, 11, and 12, or, you know, they shied away from sponsoring. And so, um, you know, they, they ended up back in the food. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, in this program, we are all somebody. We are all capable of recovering. And the only thing we have to do, we don't have to be smart. We don't have to be educated. We just have to follow instructions. And as long as we can follow instructions and be honest uh, about our food and everything else, anybody can recover. Um, you know, and, and I guess my story is, is a little anecdotal evidence Time, of that. Please. Um, thank you. So if I did it, anybody else can. And uh, without I pass, thanks. Thank you, Nessa. And Jason K, you're up, followed by Joe A. Good morning. This is Jason K, recovered compulsive eater and bleem from outside of Philadelphia. So, you know, um, Bill and Bill and Bob here, they said, you know, we better get busy. If we're going to stay sober, if we're going to make this thing a thing, we better get busy. We better get working. And so they're talking to Bill Godson here. They're offering him some information and they're talking about uh, their own um, drinking careers and you know, we, we study this book every day, but, but really what are we trying to do? We're trying to make it come alive. We're trying to make it be real for us. And, and the way this becomes real for me is when I sit there and I do this with sponsees. So just last night working with a sponsee, I'm talking about all this, these ways that I eat and, and what is this obsession of the mind and how come when I start eating certain things, I can't stop. And I, and I, and I share snippets and parts of my story and I stop and I say, are, are you like me? And that person says, that person says, yes, yes, I'm like you. And, and this is the moment that they have here with this person. They're, they're identifying on such a deep level. And, you know, we're, 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 we're wondering, you know, why are they laughing here? Um, maybe, maybe because there's deep hope. There's deep hope available to this guy. They're about to throw the lifeline. Step one, like we've heard before, it's not a happy, fun you know, saying it's, it's that we have this fatal progressive, you know, illness that we're, we're doomed. We're beyond spiritual aid. We've warped our body and mind. You know, oh my God, if that was our only message, you know, we just, 
you know, give us a grim reaper suit. But they laugh in the very next paragraph. They hit him with truth. They give him information and they're inviting him to a transformation where he can solve all of his problems and where he can have a life of purpose uh, uh, greater than he ever imagined. So this is the invitation today. This is where I think they can have some levity and some laughter. And I think they identify so deeply with this guy. You know, they were him. We, we, we're, we're one in a sense. Like when we identify that deeply with that person and we know, we know that that recovery is available to them and we can put that out there for them. We can put out the invitation. Um, so it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, so glad to be here. And that's all I have to share. Thanks. Thank you, Jason. Okay, Joe A., you're up, followed by Amy G. Hi, Joe A. from Cleveland. And, you know, um, uh, uh, I could identify into the program, but I couldn't identify with the first person that I spoke with um, after the meeting. It was like, oh, I, I don't understand. What am I supposed to do? And she was, I don't even know what she was saying, but I said, because she was very thin, and I said, but you don't understand, I really like to eat. And her response was, perhaps you have some more eating to do. Wrong, wrong, wrong thing to say to a newcomer. Because um, I was on my knees that morning. I was praying to God, tell me what to do. So thank you, God, that, that I listened to him and not to her words, went to my next meeting and I heard the traditions, and uh, Tradition 3 has always been deeply personal. The only requirement for membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. So there was no laughter. There was pain. Um, uh, but I, I, I guess, you know, just uh, be careful of our words is, is my message. And, um, and that's all I need to say. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Joe A. Okay, so Amy G, you're up, and then we'll open it up again. Good morning. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive warrior from Maryland. Thank you, Katie, and thank you, everyone, for a wonderful meeting. So, yes, that's me. If we look back a couple paragraphs, this is not the first time that he says, yes, that's me. And like Jason was saying, this is a critical point in when we carry a message is the process of identifying in. And I couldn't come, you know, to this program unless I could know who and what I was, hit bottom, and say, yes, that's me. And, and how do I do that? By going to see, by hearing people share their stories. I mean, there's a reason why Bill's stories at the front of the book, not at the back of the book, in my humble opinion, is so that I can see, do I think like Bill thought? Did I act like Bill So, Amy, you're cutting in and out. Oh, bummer. Okay. Can you hear me better now? Yes. I don't know if that's any better. <laughs> so through the process of their sharing their experience, strength, and hope, he has the opportunity to identify in. And I think the reason why they laugh is because they understand that they've got someone now that they can work with and that not only can they carry a message of depth and weight, but they can be sober themselves today. And it turns out, they say, future fellow of Alcoholics Anonymous. This was AA number three. And the only other thing I'll talk about, too, is because, but I'm a nobody now. 
And what I love about that, as uh, someone mentioned earlier, this is a program of ego reduction. To me, this is the dark before the dawn. It is finally when I came to the end of myself that I was able to then move to someone else, some other instruction, some other process, because I knew that I could no longer do it myself. This isn't a program for, you know, people who know a bunch of stuff. It isn't for rock stars. It's a common solution. There's no secret code. As others have said, it's just a matter of willing to do it. We're all equal at the foot of this disease, and we're all equal at the foot of taking action and doing what is necessary. It's just these instructions. We just need to be willing to take the action to do it, not think but do. And I'm so grateful when he says, yes, that's me, because I know what it is to feel that way and finally surrender and say, yes, it's okay to not know anything. It's okay to be at the bottom of the barrel because that's the dark before the dawn if I'm willing to take that leap of faith into action and to work these 12 steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Okay, so if you haven't shared in the last couple days and would like to share, we're on page 157, the sixth paragraph. We have time for about several more people. So who would like to share? This is Brenda. Brenda. Elena C. Elena C. Inga R. Inga R. Lori D. Shelly C. R. Lori D. and Shelly C. R. Was that Lori D? Yes. Okay, great. Okay, anyone else? Okay, let's go with Brenda. I'm sorry, I didn't write down your initial. Elena C, Inga R, Lori D, and Shelly C R. Go ahead, Brenda. Uh, yes, I believe it is an obsession of the mind. And the more that we uh, practice step 11 and quieting our mind, we get more, I think we get more in touch with what's going on in our body and um, whether or not we are hungry. We begin to feel more about like, uh, you know, like I've got a backache or something like that. Uh, you know, what's going on with the body or I am hungry or I'm not hungry or I am full. But if the mind is always chattering and uh so if we don't work the steps, we can't quiet our mind, and we can't really feel what's going on with the body. But I just wanted to share that. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you, Brenda. Elena C., you're up, followed by Inga R. Good morning, everybody. This is Elena C. from Greenville, South Carolina. I'm so grateful to be here and hear you guys. And there were awesome, awesome um, sharings. And um, and all those sharings just remind me once again how, you know, um, I need to stay in the spiritual program of recovery in order to kind of stay abstinent because, you know, the recovery the layers of recovery are physical emotional and spiritual and just because i overcame a physical problem that doesn't mean that i am well and um you know and i this paragraph reminds me of what it was for me when i came like in the first meeting um it was a face-to-face meeting and um 
you know, and everybody was like, hi, I'm a composite overeater. And I was absolutely repulsed by that word. Um, How could I on earth say that to myself, you know? And I mean, all these things, like they were, that was the lesson in surrendering, surrendering and everybody was taking a step one, admitting the powerlessness by using those words and I was just staying with that so and at the second meeting I only said that because everybody was said that but I didn't like believe in my heart and then you know interesting enough um, I was related to the desperation of what everybody was saying and what this book is saying and what you know and what this um, the third fellow was saying that I can stop. I'm doomed to fail. I'm hopeless. And and then, you know, I heard the spiritual solution that gave me so much hope. And um, I did not take it very seriously at first. Like, I was still doing my thing, like, you know, with my first sponsor. I'm like, you know, I, I debated her on certain things that I didn't, I was not ready to, to like, accept it, to surrender to it. And and then I went into food again, and, you know, that, that's what I needed to do in order to surrender even more. And um, I'm glad to um, just read this book and hear you guys. And, you know, it's clear that if I do not stay in step 10, 11, and 12, it's in 10, it's like, you know, checking myself out throughout the day reaching out to my higher power, another fellow, then direct my attention to other people, my thoughts, to other people whom I, I might help. And 11, to like, you know, wake up in the morning and reach out to my higher power and throughout the day and sharing my step 11 at night and give it away to others, then it's just, it's just not going to work. Um, it's just not going to work. This is like clear to me. That's Time, please. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Elena. Okay, Inga R., you're up, followed by Lori D. Hi, this is Inga R. from Hanover, Germany. And thanks, everybody, who is doing service on this meeting. It's just so important for me to, to have this opportunity. And, um, yeah, you know, that's me. I I really feel like I hear, I hear so many stories and I often think, oh my goodness, I, I just cannot believe that other people have done what I have done. Um, for me, it was always, I always ate in a secret. Um, it was a big secret. My um, And I always thought um, I could hide it. Of course, people knew that something was wrong because I ate for like for 10 people and I um, I never gained weight because I'm a bulimic and um, I thought well I just tried to hide everything I never talked to anybody and even in program when I when I heard the stories when I started working with my sponsor I often thought well you know I'm different I try to identify out like well my case is different you know I always believed that uh, for a long time and um, but I was taught well you know this program it worked for so many people and um, so I thought okay if it worked for so many and there are so many that are whose stories are just 
so similar to mine, I, I will give it a try and I will just do it. And, you know, it worked. It's, I'm so grateful for that. Um, yeah, so I'm happy to be here and um, thanks everybody. And I pass. Thank you, Inga. And Lori D, you're up, followed by Shelly C.R. Hi, I'm Lori D in California. Um, I enjoy your shares and I'm relatively new to Visions, but not do, new to OA. I, <clears throat> I have heard it said and believe this is the only disease where you have to diagnose yourself. And that's what I recognize when I read this paragraph. This third alcoholic is identifying himself. And what a miracle, what a blessing to finally, to finally get it and be in fully in step one. And uh, right now I need to hear this because someone shared earlier, no power, no choice, no control. Right now, I am not so much, um, this is not so much about the food, but the obsession of the mind. And uh, in going back to work during COVID, I realized I cannot control people and situations. Um, it will, the obsession to do so, will lead me back to the food. I can feel it. I see it happening. You know, um, I have to find peace in what I find here. And I am finding it. I just need to keep coming back and continue to make this meeting my sponsor and the suggestions a priority in my life. Thank you. I pass. Okay, thank you, Lori. Shelly CR, you're up, and then we'll have time for a couple more. Good morning. This is Shelly CR, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Minnesota. Um, and this paragraph brings to mind for me when I first came into the program, and people, like, and I came into this program, and I was miserable, and I bawled through the first meeting. I I think I balled through a few others after that as well. Um, but I was in such a miserable place. And, you know, coming in and hearing, like, laughter within the rooms in the face-to-face -face meetings, hearing people not take themselves so seriously, hearing people talk about recovery, hearing people... Um, talk about, you know, how they used to be bitter and they used to feel hopeless and they used to be these, you know, um, feel these certain ways that now, you know, it's about being joyous and free and there's hope. And so the laughter really signified to me that this program works. And I didn't get it. It didn't happen right away that I was like, oh, look at um, but that's what I recognized over time, that that was such a positive thing to be able to be in a space where there was warmth and acceptance and love and joy. And it, that was very powerful for me. Um, and through, you know, working this program, I can find that too. 
And that's what life looks like now, very different than when I first came into this program. Very grateful to be here, and with that, I will pass. Thank you so much. Okay, so we have time for a couple more shares. We have eight minutes, so who would like to share? Chuck Kay. Chuck Kay. Deborah X. What paragraph, please? Deborah S. And we're on page 157, the sixth paragraph. Yes, that's me. Okay, well, let's go with those two, um, Chuck K. and Deborah S. Go ahead, please, Chuck. Hey, good morning. This is Chuck. I'm a compulsive overeater from Georgia. Can you hear me? Yes. <clears throat> this uh, meeting made me think about a really nice experience I had with a sponsee one time, and she called upset that she had picked a fight with her husband and was very upset, and her whole day was ruined because her husband forgot to check the meal that he had bought for her, and it was missing a few items. And in the midst of that, I laughed. And... She was filled with shame and remorse. Her feelings were hurt, and I laughed. And then I explained that I know exactly what that's like. I understand what getting ticked off about your meal not coming right. How dare anybody bring me a meal, and they didn't check it to make sure it was exactly what I ordered. And I would get hot about that. That is one of the things I've had to make an amends and a living amends to my wife about. Because I remember many times, if she didn't bring home what I ordered, I would just be furious about it. And who gets furious about these kind of things? A normal person would look at me and go, you're crazy. And so through that laughter, we were able to both expel a lot of built-up emotion, all that shame and remorse that both of us had. Because I was explaining and bringing up the memories about how I used to be. And it was a very nice experience. We were we were very close, and I and it came out of that laughter, and it reminded me with my first sponsor, she used to laugh at me all the time. I would come up with this crazy story, and I'd be all bent out of shape about it. First thing she'd do is laugh, and I was like, "What the heck is she laughing at me about?" And what I later realized is, it's because we had that common experience. And in the case of my first sponsor, she had gone through everything I had gone through, and she had come out on the other side and was able to look back and remember how she was. And that's kind of how I am now. Now, that doesn't mean that I can't relapse or I can't go back to that life. I can choose that life anytime I want to. But I'm so very fortunate that I came to OA. I stuck with OA until I got it. Uh, I've had a wonderful journey with OA, and uh, I'm, I'm just really glad that there's a place for someone like me that I can go for help, and then I can also help others. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Chuck. Okay, Devorah S., you're up. Hey, good morning, and thank you, Katie, and thank you, everyone on this line that makes this meeting possible. My name is Devorah S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey, and the line that I'm looking at here says, 
you fellas are somebody, but I'm a nobody. And um, I remember feeling like that, you know, way back in program, um, I, one of my first sponsors said to me, you know what, now it's time for you to share. Now you have to share, press star one and share. And I was like, what, how can I share? I'm, I don't know any, I don't, I, I can't, I don't know. I don't sound like you. I don't sound like the others. I can't do that. And she said, I don't care what you share, but it's time. You need to get on there and let people and just say that you're not eating. You know, that, that, you're not, that you're not using food. Whatever you share, but you have to pass the message on. And, um, and, and that was the beginning where I realized that I needed to get out of myself. That fear that I was having of not wanting to share was just all about fear and, and self-seeking behavior, feeling that I'm not good enough. And this program teaches me that I can't get into that, that feeling of I'm not good enough. That's the bottom. That's, that's, you know, God created me and I'm a, and I'm a uh, creation of his and I can't walk around thinking that I'm a nobody. Um, so, you know, I have to give up myself and remember where I came from and share this program. I can't keep it to myself because then I'll get back into that, um, that I'll, that I'll start eating again. And like it's been said, you know, when I'm thinking all about me and not wanting to share and not getting out of myself and thinking that I'm a nobody, I'm getting, that's ego. That's totally ego. Um, yes, there's about, there's a, there's a fine line between humility and, and, and thinking of ourselves as nobody. Um, and that's not a place where that God wants me to be. Um, doing service, getting out there, helping another person, remembering where I came from and sharing it with another person like these men are doing. That's our purpose. Um, and, uh, really grateful to, 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 um, to be able to give and not always being on the receiving end. And it's the experience that I have um, that I know can help another person. And, um, and it took me, it, it's, this, is a, a, this is a program where I'm constantly, you know, struggling, learning how to, to give. Um, and, you know, this is, this, is, this, is what, this is what God wants for me today. Um, to get out of myself, to give up others, and to help others. And, um, and it is, <laughs> you know, an, a, an ongoing thing. Um, really grateful to have the clarity today um, to know that it's not just everything is not evolving around me and my world and what I what I expect from others, but to see how I can be of service and to get out of myself and be there for other people. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Devorah. Okay, so we have less than a minute. If someone would like to just give us a little uh, something from page 157, the sixth paragraph. Okay, actually we only have 30 seconds, so I think I'll just call this a wrap. So um, thank you to everyone who shared. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, May 21st, 2020, 7 a.m. meeting is 14,666. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Sandy W. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Oh, thank you, Katie. Thanks again for your service. I'd be honored to. Um, from the big book, page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. 
God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you will find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.